Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. We're continuing a series entitled This and That, uh, The Paradox of Success. And what's interesting in that is that Jesus in his teaching most often taught us to think paradoxically. Meaning that there, thank you, Lee, there are times when I believe Jesus gives us great instruction that causes us to stop and go, hmm, and make sure we understand the reason for which he taught us that. And most of, most of the teachings are paradoxical. Today is the same. He teaches us in the New Testament that we're to run a race. We're to race to win. We're just supposed to get on the track and go. At the same time, he gives us great teaching on the fact that we need to rest. Now, most of the time, we picture rest as physical rest, but Jesus gives us a picture of something different, and it's the thing that I would say most of us need to grab hold of, and that is the concept of soul rest. Are you with me? There's a big difference in taking a nap and soul rest. And I want us to focus today on how do you race to win, but how do you race to rest? And what does that look like? If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you've got your uh, uh, pad, tablet, or you've got an iPhone or, or Android, whatever you got, then you can open up to our, uh, to our app, and you can follow right along with me on uh, sermon notes. All of the scripture references are in there. If you want to follow the slides, they're in there. Everything you need, they'll be up all week long. So uh, if you don't if you don't have any to remember it, you mean you can use it. If you want to tweet from it, copy and paste from it, but it's there for you to use. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, here's what we read that we're to run with purpose. Beginning of verse 24, here's what Paul says. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only receive, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Now, he, right out of the bat, what he says is, if you're going to play the game, play to win, right? I mean, if you're, if you're going to do that, then play the win. I mean, hear queens singing in the background, you know, we are the champions. I mean, you got it, right? I mean, as a matter of fact, like me and Rusty were playing a, a game last night against Dina and Jenny, and we just, we just thumped them. I mean, we just beat them like it was, I mean, really, at some point, we called out the mercy rule because it was so ugly, right? And every time we would win, Rusty would reach over and hit his iPhone and play queen, right? I mean, because we were, we were killing them. Now, let me just say to you, I don't get to do that very often because Jenny is a really bad winner. But last night, I mean, baby, you got to admit, we, we beat y'all badly, didn't we? Okay, no response on that one. So um, what he's saying, if, you, if you're going to run, race for purpose, right? Verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control, all right, in all things. Oh, man, now he's messing with us. Now he's telling us don't just run, how to run. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating in the air. He's saying, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna swing at something and not hit it. I'm not gonna run for no purpose. I'm not, it's like, I see people running on Petri Industrial when I'm going back and forth to work. I have never seen anybody running going. Every person I see, you know what I see on their face? I mean, they're dying, right? I mean, there's agony involved in this, all right? Then verse 26, again, don't run aimlessly. Verse 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I mean, if you listen to how Eugene Peterson paraphrased that, he says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins, run to win. 
All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. Year after one, that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. Literally, Paul gives us this picture of you have to learn how to race and win. Many of us are on a hamster wheel in life, and we're running hard. We're working hard. We're trying to do it all. And I get it. Listen, uh, children, baseball, football, cheerleading, uh, work, church, social stuff. I mean, really, then you try to get fit. I mean, you try to read your Bible, try to have time to pray. You got to be at church events. I mean, there's always something, right? I mean, am I the only one in this room who often is filled with anxiety and fret and worry because I'm totally overloaded? Anybody else join me on that? Yeah, okay, most of us are in that boat. And he says, here's how you've got to run the race. He gives us six quick points. Number one, you gotta start. You gotta actually get in the race. You gotta get out of the stands. You gotta get on the track. You gotta go, all right? And he says, at some point, you gotta do it. It's, here, here's one of the greatest lessons I've, I've learned. Listen, this is tweetable, and this is worth writing down, all right? Now, if you, if you have a Twitter account, you don't tweet this, shame on you, all right? You ready? If you will take one step, God will propel you 20 more. If you'll take one step, God will propel you 20 more. But see, that's the difference in believing in God and believing God. Because see, if you just believe in God, you think, well, okay, he wants me in the race of life. And don't miss the metaphor here. Paul's not giving us a physical education list here. He's saying, this is how you got to run in life. He's saying, if you're going to win in the game of life, this is how you got to run. And, and, and at the end of the day, what he's making a big deal about is this life is killing us instead of us killing it. Because we're, one, some of us are saying, no, I, I can't do anymore, I can't run. And he says, you gotta start, you gotta go. You know what I've learned? You can't ever hear well done until you well do. I mean, when you get to heaven, don't, don't all of us wanna hear well done. But listen to me, you cannot do well done if you don't do well do. At some point, you gotta start, you gotta go, you gotta get moving. Number two, you gotta grow. You can't stay stagnant. Right? I really do believe people who have a desire to grow up in Christ, that want discipleship to matter, that get involved in a group, that want to be a part of something more than I show up for one hour on Sunday morning, sing some songs, throw a 20 in the plate, listen to Chuck or sleep during a while I listen to Chuck and leave. And I've done my part. That's the folks that when they die, they say, there's nobody there for me. You, you know what I want to make a big deal about here? Together we grow in Christ. You get involved in a group. Guys, there's no reason why. Listen, no sissy stuff going to man church. Get there. All right, ladies, there's, a, there's all kind of groups. You're a young mom, Christy Cervantes got a great group for you. You want a Bible study? And Andy Worley's got a great Bible study for you. They're all in that group. There's no excuse to say, I'm not gonna grow up in Christ. You gotta start, you gotta grow. Then you gotta train. You, you, gotta, you, you gotta prepare yourself and get ready. Here's what Benjamin Franklin said. By failing to prepare, you're, you're, you're preparing to fail. Listen, he's saying by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. And see, some of us have forgotten that our training includes our prayer life. All right, I'm, I'm not gonna embarrass you here, but I read a recent survey. Uh, I said in the early hour with folks on the family, it wasn't, it was Christianity Today. They, they did a survey and here's what I would do if we took a, a census in here and said, okay, where are you at in your prayer life? I'd count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And nine of those people this week, the only time they prayed was for a blessing at food. 
See, part of our training is learning how to talk to God. Listen, the one who formed the universe by breathing it into existence that knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, the one who has the plan for your life and holds eternity for you, the one that has a mansion waiting on you in heaven, the one who allowed his son to die for you and raise from the dead for you, that God says, I want you to talk to me. Now, I'm going to give you this most basic hint. You ready? Listen, most of us, we break out the how art thou's when we get to God. You talk to God like you don't do anything else. And listen, some of us do that out of sheer and wonderful and gracious and godly reverence, all right? So I don't want to make light of that. But most of us, this one tip would radically change your prayer life. It'd change it with your family. It'd change it with your spouse. It'd change it with you personally. Pray out loud. Stop doing silent prayers. When you're in your car, pray. This morning on my way in, here's what my prayer sounded like. Let me just get just brutally. God, today... I, my knee is killing me. I'm having surgery tomorrow. I haven't, I, I haven't been able to be on any anti-inflammatories for a week. And my, my left knee is killing me. That's why I'm sitting down today. All right, so they're going to do a little surgery tomorrow. going to get me cleaned out. I'm praying, Lord, I just, could, I, could I just get up there and talk about you without, without my leg hurting? And you say, well, Chuck, come on. That's, God's not going to do that. He's doing it right now. But I'm going to tell you something. Listen, when you will let yourself go and you'll pray out loud, you will sh- you'll be shocked at how powerful that is. Pray out loud. This morning I rode, rode by Gwinnett Church opening down the road on Peachtree Industrial. Can I, can I just tell you, my, my prayer loud was, God, would you bless what they do and may many people come to faith in Christ, but God, would you let people please show up at Sugar Hill Church today <laughs> and look at you. talk out loud. Second thing, here's what I encourage you to do. Read the Bible, but stop thinking that the only way your life's going to be changed is to memorize scripture. Stop thinking the only thing that's going to change your life is to read through the Bible in a year. All right, listen, if you'll just take your time and read through Proverbs one chapter a day, if you'll read through the Gospel of John and you'll read the book of James and you take it slowly, if it's just a verse a day, the goal is not to get through it. The goal is to let it saturate and change you. Okay, and the last one, you ready? Stop trying to get church right. Uh, listen, our job is not to do church the right way. Our job is to find Jesus and live for Jesus the right way. Take all of the religious mumbo jumbo, all the guilt that has laid on you over the years and all the things that you think this is what I got to do to keep up with somebody else. Take all that junk and get rid of it and just get Jesus right. You get Jesus right, everything else in life gets right. When you find me a church who's more focused on how you ought to dress and what you ought to do and when you ought to be there and what you ought to give to, you find me a church more concerned about that than Jesus getting right, I'll show you a church eventually going to close their doors. You just got, you get Jesus right forth. You know what we got to do? We got to focus. We, we got to focus. I, I, I posted a picture early this morning of a guy sitting at a traffic light driving a car, which I think was a focus, reading a book entitled Focus. <laughs> Am I the only one that sees the irony in that? Are you with me? I mean, li- listen, listen to what 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. In other words, focus on, get the end is the goal. I mean, picture, picture, that's where I'm going. That's, that's how I'm going. A guy walks up to a bricklayer. They got a huge project going on the corner. Asks the guy to lay in a brick. He said, what are you doing, dude? And of course, like, duh, I'm laying bricks, right? He goes to the next guy about 20 feet down. He's doing the same thing. Looks at the guy and says, what are you doing? I'm building a cathedral. 
They're physically doing the same actions. They just see the end result a little differently. For most of us, we've got to stop thinking about the physical action. Okay, did, did I do right at church? Did I dress the right way? Did I act the right way? Did I say the right words? Did I put my hair the right way? Do I get a tattoo or not? Do I have a, a nose ring or not? Do I do blah, 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 blah. And listen, all of that's junk. Get Jesus right. If you'll get Jesus right, every other question becomes easy. All right, so you just get focused on that. By the way, every New Testament passage that Jesus teaches, including the one we're about to jump into, is this one thought. It's a matter of your heart, not your action. If you could just change your action and not change your heart, look at us, we'd be awesome. The flip side of that is you can't get your heart right because we stay in a life of being hypocritical. So we point out everybody else's faults and we judge ourselves against everybody else. And God says, stop it. That's just so silly. Stop it. You're my kid. Come on, stop it. We get focused. Five, we get purpose. Paul asks, why would anybody fight if they're just going to swing at air? Paul tells the Corinthians they're to run the race with this concept of having a divine aim, seeing the end from the beginning. I start with God, I end with God. Your morning starts with God. There he is waiting to go with you. Your day ends with God. If you openly will talk about the things of God all through that day, you know what happens? God does his part. He's just waiting on you to take one step purpose. You know, as you move through life with purpose and direction, when we know our purpose in life, what happens to us is it, it creates an energy within us. I mean, if you're not going to do something with your life, it doesn't matter how long your life is. I mean, my goal is not to live till 88. My, my goal is, God, I, I want to leave a dent in the planet for you. I want to make a difference for the cause of Christ. I want our church to kill it. I mean, really, I want, to serve, I want to feed every hungry kid we can find. I want to put a roof over every homeless family we can find. I, I, want, I want women and men who are crushed in a divorce to find hope and peace. I want folks who are out of a job to be able to find a job. I want people to learn that I can believe in God, not just, not, I want to believe God, not just believe in God. There's a purpose there. Finally, there's got to be a perseverance. You've got to stay the course. And you know what's interesting to me? I, a lot of folks will come back to me and they have this thought of, man, I gave my life to Christ and I'm good and then I messed up and I don't, man, I, I'm off the race. Listen, Jesus puts us on a track and says, I'm with you. I'm not gonna leave you. I know you're not perfect. You're gonna mess up. Come on, I'm gonna pick you up and I'm gonna carry you. Listen, listen, listen to this thought that I, I really believe in every one of our lives, these two things, if we could just conquer these two things, if we could build a discipline in these two things, we'd get this picture. We'd to discipline our minds. If we discipline our minds toward the things of God, it's amazing what can happen. What, do, what does Scripture say? Love God with all your what? Your heart and your what? Your mind and your soul. We've got to discipline our mind. Listen to what 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 15 says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. This is the word of truth. Study it. Know it. Let your mind be saturated with the things of God. The second thing I really believe is a challenge, learn to discipline our tongue. Listen, the most gossip people in the world happen to be the people that show up at church most often. And you know what God says? I don't care whether you show up every time the doors are open. If you're a gossip, you're living in sin. We've got to learn to discipline our tongue. Listen to what James says in chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I mean, you look at that and you think, man, this is, I, I got to run the race. This race is hard. I, I can't do this. It, if it was easy, everybody would do it. But here's what I want to give you. You can't finish the race without knowing how to rest. 
I mean, it, it, you, you can't do that. I mean, yeah, you're training. I mean, it's not like today you're going to say, okay, I'm going to walk to the car and next week I can do a marathon. Right? I mean, you, you got to train, but there's a time you also got to rest. You got to rest your body. You got to rest your mind. But most importantly, you got to rest your soul. Matthew eleven twenty nine tells us what kind of rest we need. Soul rest. I'm like, you know, a person in constant motion. I mean, think about it. I, I got six daughters, right? I mean, I, I live in a drama class. Okay. And, and, and if you're like me, man, it, between getting kids to school, getting kids homework done, getting kids to ball practice, band practice, whatever you got, trying to do your job, trying to be a good spouse, trying to be a good Christian, try to be a good church person, try to do something socially, try to care for needy people. You know what happens by the end of the day? There is nothing left of you, is there? I mean, you're just thinking, good night. I run a race. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's all I can do to get home for dinner. Jesus says, I got a plan for you. He says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Come on, that's rich, man. That's a promise where Jesus says, I got you. I mean, I want you to take a look at this. Listen, listen again how Eugene Peterson phrases this soul rest. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Man, that's a lot of us in this room. He says, come to me. Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. And listen to this next phrase. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Now, if you're trying to figure out what does that mean, okay, here's what I want you to imagine, all right? Just right now, okay? Just stick it. If you've checked out on me, come back. Okay, you're gonna like this one. You're sitting on one of those chairs. It's only about four inches off the ground. And it's 88 degrees. And you're on the beach. And the ocean's a little calm, but it's rolling up underneath your chair. And you stay there long enough where your chair sinks down into the sand. And the water eventually washes over your feet and your toes. And it feels refreshing under the, under the sun. Before you know it, it's up over your waist and the waves are gentle and you can hear the ocean waves that just comes in and it washes over you and it never stops. It keeps going all the time, 24-7, 365. It keeps on coming. Listen, that rhythm of, of, of that ocean, Jesus is painting this picture. Let grace wash over you moment by moment, day by day. Take a seat and let grace wash over you. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Let the rhythms of grace take you. Soul rest. Think about it. Look, look what he does. He says to do that, we, we've got to have gentleness and humility. You know, the opposite of that is how we tend to leave with aggression and arrogance. I mean, every time that I don't trust God, it is, an, it, it is a sense of my ego that I can do it better than the God who created me. Every time I fret, every time I worry, every, every time I'm anxious, you know what it is? It's ego that says, Chuck, you've got a better handle on this than God. We want to be assertive. We want to be aggressive. We want to jump into things. We want to get way overcommitted. Most of that's arrogance. Listen, I wrote this down earlier this week, and I want to read it. I, don't, I want to make sure you don't miss it. Our ego is responsible for a lot more stress in your life than we want to give it credit. For we go out and think, I can handle this. You know what we've learned? No, we can't. You look at that and say, man, Jesus wants to teach us. He wants to put us there. He uses this term yoke. I mean, he uses this term. When he talks about gentleness and humility, he's talking about it versus arrogance and aggression, but he, but he gives this picture of a yoke. 
And guys, you see the picture of what these oxen would look like yoked together, this bow yoke. And in our mind, we picture this, they're together, they're bound together. Jesus uses this yoke to speak to people who understood the agricultural phenomena of what happens when you put two things together and you work forward. And Jesus says, I want you to take my yoke upon you. Now watch this, a yoke is a picture of partnership. A yoke does no good if one goes one way and go the other. Now watch this. Jesus says, when you get in the yoke with me, let me drive. Stop trying to drive. Let me drive. You take, take, let me lead. You follow. But when I get in there, I'm in partnership with you. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 55, 22. He said, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. God's saying, you do your part. I'm always good for mine. Jesus says, get in a partnership with me. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I've got you. The second thing, it's a symbol of control. When you get yoked with Jesus, what you're saying is, I need you to not only lead, I need you to make sure you've got me because I'm going to stumble, I'm going to fall, I'm going to mess up. But if we're there, it's good. You know what Matthew 16, 24 says? Anyone that intends to come to me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Jesus says, stop thinking this is on you and put it all on him. You got a race to win, but you got a race to rest. And the way you have soul rest is you look at that and say, I want to be in partnership with Jesus. I want to give control of my life to Jesus. I want to trust him. And finally, a yoke is a picture of how Jesus interprets the law. He's speaking to people who had 611 laws to keep up with. All right, seriously, killing those people. And the more religious you were, the more you pointed out how some other dude wasn't keeping up with the law, Right? I mean, it's like, AJ, dude, come on, you can't do that. It's Sunday, right? And, and Jesus comes along and says, come on, stop all that nonsense. I got, I got a new yoke for you. It's light. It's easy. And people are like, dude, I need light. I need easy. I can't keep up with the 611 rules. They're killing me here. And Jesus says, here's what you do. If you're going to take my yoke, it's, yoke, it's light. It's easy. What you do is you get in a partnership with me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. I need you. Every hour, I need you. You let him have control. Jesus, I need you to take control of my life, sit on the throne of my heart because I'm making a mess of my life and I need to make sure I finish well, take over. And then finally, here's what happens. I, I want you to hear this promise. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 says this. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to those that are weak. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. Listen, I get it. Life is a race. And God says, I want you to run and I want you to win, but I want you to do it in partnership with me. I, I want you to, to let me control this because I, I know where you're going. And, and, and I want you to let me take the burden of the law off your shoulders and replace it with grace. Church, he wants us to win, but he wants us to win his way. Because you see, you can't race and win until you race and rest in the arms of Jesus. For some of you today, for the first time, you need to say, I surrender. I'm going to get in the yoke with you. And your prayer might be just silently in your heart or maybe out loud, Jesus, I need you. Come live inside me. Be the boss of my life. I want to get in partnership with you. For some of you, maybe you did that in vacation Bible school or Sunday school as a kid, some other church or with a, with a parent someday. But man, nobody would know it by the way you're living. And what you got to say is, Jesus, I'm surrendering control of my life. You take over. I'm not doing so well on my own. You got to take it. And for some of you, man, you grew up with so much guilt laid on you. You could never, ever live through it.
because you're trying to meet some person's expectations and you've forgotten that God's expectation is that you love him with all your heart and your mind and your soul. And he didn't put any other, didn't put any other rules out there. He said, man, just love God and then love other people. You're cool. And some of you got to lay that guilt down. Today, let's race to win. Let's choose to race to rest. That's what he longs for. Father, we thank you and we praise you. God, give us the ability to race well. Give us the ability to rest well. God, I pray we'd, we'd get out on the course. We'd start, we'd grow, we'd train, we'd persevere. God, I pray we'd be focused. God, you're, you're worthy of more than that. And we love how you promise that if we'll just take one step of obedience, you'll push us the rest of the way. You'll carry us where necessary. You'll pick us up and dust us off and make our boo-boos better and you'll, you'll care for us. God, I pray we'd find ourselves sitting on the edge of the ocean and feel the rhythms of your grace wash over us. For you are always good and we're grateful that you love us. In the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.